It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or The Griggs Beat. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM in the Harold Melton Student Center in the Bradley Basin Studio. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, my good friend and co-host, Griggs Blankenberg. Griggs, how are you today? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Ready to talk some Auburn sports to the people out there. Yeah, you said it. This isn't going to be so fun for the first little bit, but let's just rip the bandage off. Auburn, yikes. I mean, as Brian Harson said, uh, you don't like to say a win's a win, but it's good to win. Yeah, and I guess when you look at what other top programs did on sat- last Saturday, like Texas A&M and Notre Dame and Nebraska. Well, Nebraska's been in Wisconsin. Oof. Wisconsin, that's a good one. Nebraska's been in oof mode for a little while now, so I don't really think it's much of a uh, problem. Or not problem. Yeah, I, I don't think it's much of a It's not the surprise. 90s anymore. No. But you, let's just go ahead and just get right into this one you were talking about. Uh, the Auburn Tigers defeated the San Jose uh, State Spartans on Saturday in Jordan-Hare 24-16. Teach, uh the San Jose State quarterback, uh, what's his name, Chavin Cordario, was yeah. the leading passer with 275 yards. Robbie Ashford was the leading rusher in the game with 61 yards. And the uh, San Jose State receiver Charles Ross was the leading receiver with the game with five receptions for 89 yards. Yeah, that's motivating to see that, you know, at least they can't, teams just can't run the ball all over us. Um, well, maybe that's just San Jose State's weak out line. Since we were getting pressure on them, like the pass rush was okay. I mean, it wasn't up to the like, – I mean, Portland State got seven sacks on them. We only yeah. had two, I think, if I'm correct. I feel like um, Cordero was just a little quicker to escape the pocket against us. I did watch – like, I'm not going to say I watched film on San Jose State, but I was intrigued by their week one game against Portland State. So I went back and watched like the three-minute condensed game on YouTube. And I was like, yeah, uh, he, he would just kind of stand there in the pocket. And against us, he wasn't afraid to leave the pocket. No, I mean, we've, we had a mobile quarterback, and this weekend it's going to be a little differently. We're fa- we'll talk more about that in the next segment, but we're facing more of a pocket, pressure, uh, a pocket passer. So it's not going to be the same thing as that. What, what the encouraging factors out of this we can take from you said yes, that we agree with that. We only had um, – we didn't give up much on the ground. That's good. Their leading rusher had 24 yards. And we also protected the quarterback a little bit. Maybe TJ was sped up a little bit, but we only had one sack. Compared to a couple weeks ago versus Mercer, we had, I think, more than that. What, we had, like, four sacks? Yeah. Something like that. So that's promising. Another promising thing is we don't have to argue. We don't have to have this question looming over the Auburn fan base now. Going into every game is who's going to be the QB1, since that is now directly TJ Finley's job. Yeah. um, It's been his to lose all year. He was QB1 for a reason. However... I still don't know if he is just – I hate – I don't know. This is going to sound me. I'm just going to say it. I don't know if he's just the most talented, like 100% quarterback on the roster. However, he's the most ready to go at the present time. And to think about also is the things that were coming out about Robbie Astro with the people who were trying to convince me to he should be the starting quarterback came true. It was written all offseason that TJ Finley was the most consistent – Robbie was the most mobile quarterback, but the thing was he was least consistent when it comes to his passing. I mean, you look at it on Saturday, he only had two pass plays. He only threw the ball three times. One of them was a one-yard completion. The other one was an interception. Yeah, definitely brutal. And, like, 
with TJ, 13 of 20, 167 yards and one touchdown. Like, we didn't have a passing touchdown against San Jose State. Yeah, that's not great, but looking ahead to it, I mean, we can just brush this one off. It's good to get one of these games where you can find out more about yourself in a win versus more you can find out about yourself in a loss. True, true. And, you know, the rushing attack was okay. Like, Tank, or, yeah, Tank Big, or, yeah, actually not so great. 51 yards off 13 carries, but it's been said before, I'll say it again, if you can't run the ball, you or excuse me, if you can't pass the ball, you can't run the ball. I want to see us try to get Jarquez some more carries. I mean, he had eight carries the other day for 5.1 yards a carry. When you get him out in space, when he don't, Jarquez is not a running back you let go up the middle. That's a no. tank's job. Jarquez, you give him out to the side and let him try to get some space on the outside. Since this year, he's a little, we saw versus Mercer, he's a little bit more quick and nimble to be able to get past that defense. Yeah, and um, I definitely think that if if Auburn's going to have two 1,000-yard rushers this year, which I do think is very possible, and that's our best shot of like being a really, really good offense, mm-hmm. we've got to learn how to run outside the tackles since it's just up the middle is just not happening. Tank's already got off to a good start. He's already got 198, so. Yeah, he is off to a good start. Um, You oh. know, mm-hmm. you can just average like 90-something a game here on out, and you're good. But I would have liked to see a little more. Like, off of 13 carries, I would have liked to see him at least break 70, at least. Yeah, but the thing that concerns me the most is our pass defense. Yes. That is that is scary. I mean, we'll talk about more in the next segment, but going they into this— got torched. Going into this Saturday, I mean, you're giving up 275 yards to a Mountain West quarterback. Right. We're in minus four in turnovers this year. Yeah, it's—yeah, it's not looking good. I mean, the— if San Jose State was smart, I was talking about this in the press box a little bit on Saturday. It's just, why do they not throw these slants like every single time? Every single shot over the middle is open. Yeah, Auburn just couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, they get Owen Papo rushing or doing something else on some receiver guarding. That middle is wide open. Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing that I saw, like, I'm just going to talk about the receivers for a second. Javaris Johnson, three catches, 41 yards. John Samuel Shanker, three catches, 39 yards. Tank Bigsby, four catches, 29 yards. And Tavares Dawson Jr., one catch, 22 yards. We do seem to be airing the ball out a little bit more, uh, which is, I guess, kind of motivating to see. I mean, it is, but then again, that's 14 catches for 168 yards versus San Jose State. Yeah, yeah. But granted, everyone knew going into this year we're going to be a run first team. That's That's not up for debate. The no. thing is, I want to see some more either – if you're going to be a rushing team, go ahead and commit to that. I mean, we will, you will still want to be able to pass the ball. I want us to be able to do it more. But we need to get – if we're going to be a rushing team, we need to at least get more than 200 passing yards so we can give the running backs a break. I mean, they had 38 carries on Saturday to the 20 uh, plus three, uh, 23 uh, passing attempts from TJ and then Robbie's three. Yeah, and that's kind of something that – Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Just some I'd like to see a little bit more. Like, maybe not this year, but in the coming years. Like, this receiving core is very young. Mm-hmm. And the quarterback room is, outside of TJ, still pretty inexperienced. Like, Robbie Ashford never played at Oregon. Um, obviously, well, Zach Calzada is probably the most experienced quarterback on this roster, especially in terms of SEC play. But, you know, the the jury's still out on him this year. Like, we're through two games against, you know, clean-up opponents, and he still has two DNPs. 
I think mainly it's still that shoulder bothering yeah. him a little bit. I'm thinking at this point his surgery probably got botched. That that idea is not my own. Or maybe he just didn't let it recover too much. I mean, we saw him throw. We saw him throwing a lot this summer in videos and stuff. Yeah, we we did. Which is it's weird how we, everyone thought he was the shoe in guy, and then maybe that shoulder just started to re aggravate. But yeah, maybe he thought he was ready to go, and he really wasn't. Um, yeah, I, think I don't that, know. I hope he gets going soon. I think the last thing we have before we can close the door on this game, move on to next week, one and zero mentality. The nine penalties for eighty-five yards—that is, yeah. that is not good. And it was those penalties were some key plays too. I mean, I think it was Nehemiah Pritchett who had the pass interference. I think we had back-to-back pass interferences. I'm pretty sure yeah. at one point, especially in that DB, the D backs, you cannot be giving up those pass interferences if you're getting cooked in the middle like that. And then on some plays that doesn't look like they're going to get the ball, you can't be pushing them because I was in the press box saying turn around, you have to be able to looking at the ball. If you're not looking at the ball and you're just standing in front of the receiver, you're getting called for P.I. 9 out of 10 times. Yeah. I, I would have to agree with that. Um, it's just, it's kind of, yeah, I just, the P.I. is bad. And we've got to find a way to clean that up, especially going into this week, which we'll talk about more now. Why don't we talk about Auburn soccer for a couple minutes? Let's do it. Yeah, Auburn soccer this week, they – had a little bit. We they had the four-one win versus UMass Lowell. Me and Daniel were on the call for that. A little bit of a rain delay, but other than that, it was good. And then they go up to Samford this weekend. They tie one to one. But yeah, the, but they drop to number twenty-three in the national rankings. I, I didn't like that at all. Um. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And especially how Alabama's like eleven now, and Auburn's resume is just as impressive as theirs. But you know that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I mean, that Sanford team is still a good team. They weren't ranked, but that's still a decent – they were in the NCAA tournament last year. Yeah, all, Auburn knows that very well. And all of Auburn's ties this year have been the one tie they had to Florida State. Still pretty good, not as good as they once were. Wake Forest is almost on the cusp of getting into the rankings. West Virginia, who I believe is still ranked. Um, And then a Sanford team that knocked them out of the first round of the tournament last year. Yeah. But what that tells me is the committee needs to see more from the Tigers. Granted, they've not lost the game yet, but if they're better than these, some of these teams, they need to be putting them away. So I think this, these last two games coming up before they come back to Auburn on next Sunday, they need to show what they're made of. Because they only have one game this week. It's versus Missouri on Friday in Columbia. So they got to be proving something. Yeah. Um that's kind of the line of thing I'm at as well. Something to prove. And I, I really wish that they had put Sanford away. And if they had like put scored once on West Virginia, Lord knows they had the opportunities. A, they're still ranked. And B, I just feel like confidence is a lot higher than it would be otherwise. And, you know, I just... I trust them. I still yeah. think they're one of the best in the SEC. But they got to prove it on this these next two road games and then come back home to play Ole Miss in uh oh like ten days, so Yeah. And the SEC is very tough in every sport. Soccer is no exception. And I feel like this it's gonna take a lot this year. A lot of these teams are very, very good. Mm-hmm. Like I agree. Six teams I think in the SEC are ranked and you've gotta play them all. Indeed. You have to play them all. So we're going to go ahead and cut this segment a little bit early. When we come back, it is the what, what you've probably tuned in to Auburn Sports Talk Radio for this week, the Auburn-Penn State game. Daniel Locke, Griggs Blankenberg, this is the Eagles Nest, Eagles Nest excuse me, 
Do not go anywhere. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. You're hanging out in the Melton Student Center studios here with Griggs and Daniel Locke. It is now time for what everyone's been talking about this week. It's been the talk of the town. Well, maybe not the game. Maybe it's been something else people have been talking about. But it is time for the Eagle's Nest Penn State preview. The number 22 Nittany Lions come into Jordan-Hare Stadium this Saturday to take on the Auburn Tigers. Right now, it is on the ESPN Football Power Index. They're giving Penn State a 61.7% chance to win. And the current spread is minus three in favor of the Nittany Lions. Yeah, um, I'm excited, Griggs. I've said it before. I'll say it again. You were there. We, we saw each other. That was like the third time we'd ever seen each other. Mm-hmm. But Lord knows that we would become very, very good friends, like top five in my whole friend group. Love this guy. He's a king. And then hosting this show together. But, man, that is my favorite Auburn game I've ever been to. It's the Penn State game last year. I don't care that we lost. Just the fact that I was watching my team play in a Penn State whiteout was enough for me. True. I mean – now as I'm starting to think like with the wide out thing, we talked about this yesterday in the studio. They they didn't give it to the Ohio State game this year, which is what they'd always usually used to do, right? In this during this year for the wide out. Yeah, every other year when they have um Ohio I, State there and State it usually op, it usually flip flops between Michigan one year and then the other next year's Ohio State. Yeah, you got it. so I was kind of flattered when they chose us. That was great. Yeah, they, and then they made the Michigan game like probably they're probably glad they made the wide out at the beginning of the year for them. Yeah, because. Yeah, that Michigan game wasn't too it, close. Especially they were a top 10 team. It wouldn't have been the same. But you can make the argument that – I'm sorry, Craig's also trying to thought. You can make the argument that they should have done Michigan since they were a playoff team. Shouldn't have been, but they were. I mean, they should have. I mean, they okay. granted, they didn't beat Georgia by that much. But Jim at the end – Harbaugh coached the number two team but looked like a number two pencil because he got erased. Fair enough. I mean, that just shows the talent that – um, gap between the SEC, but that they still played. A, they beat Ohio State that year. But we were talking too much about Michigan. Anyway, let's move on. Um, I'm just gonna say, if Oklahoma State had played Michigan, Oklahoma State would have won by like 80. I'm kidding. I'd be close because the Big t- Big 12 defenses aren't that great. No, nah, Michigan couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Sean Sean Clifford is the guy we're gonna be talking mostly about on this one. The Penn State quarterback this year. He is 39 of 64, 495 yards. Five touchdowns and one interception. They played both Purdue on that Thursday night game, which was crazy. Almost lost that one. Purdue smarter. They, w- they would have lost that game. And then they played the Ohio Bobcats uh, last Saturday. They won 46-10 at Beaver Stadium. Yeah. Um, in Ohio, they're, they're interesting. You know, a lot of people call them the Mac Darling. That's just something I saw on Twitter. Don't ask me what it means. Uh, my interpretation is that they often do good in the MAC. I mean, that's a school. I'm, Ohio's a school I'm considering for grad school if I want to go into like sports management really? stuff. Yeah, because they have a lot. Of, have a lot of history I'm with at that. Cincinnati. Hmm. Yeah. We're talking too little about this game. Hey, um, we'll be great. We'll be yeah. close to each other. Fair enough. We'll keep um, the but the thing that stands out this year differently than when they played, we played last year. Be your same is Penn State is without Jahan Dotson this year. Their best receiver in last year's game. I wonder if. ESPN will let me go back that far to last season to see that. No, they won't. But last year he did really good against the Auburn Tigers. It was probably the reason we lost that game. It was probably the the, the one receiver that made um, Roger McCreary look not like he's the NFL starter he is today. Yeah, and you know that man, Jahan Dotson, obviously he is a wide receiver one, or not two, behind Terry on the football. Commanders. That's Yeah, Commanders. 
Um, and he's impressive. And he balled out last year. And we win that game if John Dotson doesn't play. And we also win that game if Kobe Hudson doesn't play. Neither here nor there. Yes. But, you know. Uh, oh, man, I, I'm excited, Griggs. This is going to be a lot of fun. But before we start, like, actually getting into the X's and O's of the thing, how about we spend a few minutes on what's really got the town talking? Orange, you glad I brought this up, Daniel? Ah, see what funny. I did yeah, yeah. But the Eagles Nest, your number one stop for dad jokes from Daniel and Griggs. Yes, but that is what has taken over this town. I think more than the game now is the talk of Will Auburn wear orange jerseys. Auburn's all about tradition. I get that. Coming from two fans, two people who weren't really Auburn fans up until recently ish. Yeah. But I get why some people are hype. I just think it's a maybe maybe a little too too much. Maybe we're talking too little about the game and too much about these jerseys. I would have to agree a little bit. I feel like it might be, in a way, like a coping mechanism because a lot of Auburn fans probably just aren't very faithful. I am. I'm faithful. I think or faithful is not the right word. Optimistic would have been a better Yes, word. Opti- I would say that. But think about it. Auburn's changed a little bit. Judging off of what the little I know, I think Auburn has done a little bit more with the uniforms they have in the past. I mean, they had the yeah. white face mask last year for Penn State and then the orange ones for Ole Miss. And the only time they'd um, changed up the face mask at all, I, I can't remember exactly when, but – before the 2021 season, in the on New Year's Day in 2020, Auburn played against the Minnesota Golden Gophers in the one of the Florida Bowls, a mid-major or not mid-major bowl, but you know what I'm talking about, like Outback, I think. Yeah, yeah. And they wore a a, a gray face mask, and everyone had the number seven on the side of the helmet to honor uh, Pat Sullivan. Mm. Um, but I remember. Do you know Anthony Schwartz? Are you familiar with him? I saw him play this weekend. Oh. Uh, you're very familiar. We'll talk about that later. Anyways, uh, sorry to Auburn fans. When, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I do remember him. All right, yeah. Anyway, he tweeted out um, when Auburn debuted the orange face mask since Ole Miss. He's like, "Dang, Auburn really wore more face masks this year in my whole time there." And at that point, they'd worn the white against Penn State. They'd worn the orange against Ole Miss, and obviously the standard blue. And I wouldn't be opposed to seeing the gray come back out for. Get one game a year, it looked good. What I'm I w- all for changing the face mask, if nothing else. Just give it a fresh little touch. What I want is the orange face masks all the time. Those look so cool. With they the- are cool, but I heard this before. What I think would be cool is do the white face mask for road games versus a ranked opponent. Do the orange face mask for home games against a ranked opponent. And then just do the blue for the other games. That way you get a good balance of all three throughout the year. Fair enough, but the question is now, I feel like... I feel like there's too much hype around it where to yeah. the point where they're not going to do it. Like, I don't – granted, they changed face masks. I mean, we've all been talking about it the last couple of days, looking into when's the last time Auburn changed up the main uniform combo. It's like 1980. I just don't know if this is going to be the one. I mean, someone was saying earlier, I think I think it was Alex who was saying that, that Under Armour needs like two years. Or someone said this. It we was like Dan. The, oh, Dan yeah. Heck, over Remember that. But, yeah. yeah, whatever with that. It just takes a long time to develop a new uniform. But if the if this comes through, there's been no leaks of a, of a potential uniform. If this ends up being happening, it would probably be the best kept, kept design seeker in Auburn history. Oh, yeah. You know what I was actually thinking? Mm-hmm. My friend Ben, like a year ago, we were kind of jokingly talking about the best way to unveil a new uniform. And what he came up with is, like, he took the Falcons, for example, because he's a Falcons fan. He said, let's just say that they just had it in the team store before the game. People be like, what is this? The team just warms up in the you know, normal uniforms. Then they go back into the locker room. 
put those on, the lights go out during the promo, and then they come out wearing those. He said he thinks that's the best way to unveil a uniform. I think Auburn, if they do it, it's going to be something like you that. You need to switch from a journalism major to be a marketing major. That was brilliant. That sounds He's great. not a journalism major. No, I'm saying you need to be a market. That, sounds, or, that was his idea. Oh, yeah, that was his idea. But that'd be great. That'd be really um, – imagine they actually do that. That'd be crazy. They come out wearing the blue uniforms for warm-ups and they go back, change, and all that stuff. But That's what – if it happens, I think that's going to be what it's like. That'd be crazy if it happened. But then I feel like there'd be like some media person in a locker room or something like that who would leak that beforehand. But Yeah, yeah. but there's a reason media's not allowed in the locker room. Fair enough. I just feel like it's been kept so under well under wraps that someone would have had to have said something by now. I would have to agree. Like, <laughs> I remember when the Rams were going to unveil their new uniforms and they got leaked and the, the pictures were, like, really bad. They, they didn't look that bad. I mean, reality. speaking of uniforms, the U.S. Men's National Team's jersey got leaked. People were praying they weren't real. Are they that bad? They're, they're, I'll look it up during the commercial. They're not break. good. They are not good. But... Oh, I meant to tell you, this is random. I tried Cheerwine for the first time last night. Just sticking on your laptop made me think of it. What'd you think? It was really good. Me and my uh, roommate Ethan had them with our burgers. Perfect. We're going off the rails on this. Yeah, we're talking we about we're we talking are. about we're talking about Michigan Cheerwine. We're doing doing everything. Um, All right, so let's spend a few minutes on the actual game. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking at some of their stuff, they have a freshman running back named Nicholas Singleton who has 20 attempts for 200 yards so far this year, two touchdowns, averaging 10.5 yards a carry. He's not even their running back one, so that's really interesting to me, according to their depth chart. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that. And it was kind of funny. I think you were there with me when uh, me and Riley Marks were looking at it. Because, you know, I guess not. But, yeah, I remember the depth. We were, I was looking at, just looking at the depth chart. He's their number two running back. So that's just very interesting to see with that that their number two running back is their like leading rusher i mean jerk yeah. i mean jerk west probably was the lead maybe was the leading rusher after two games last year because of that 90 whatever yard run right yeah um i would have to agree with you on that and that that really inflated his numbers for weeks it really did but i think for all keys to the auburn win on this one it's what we talked about in the past segment they have to control that passing because Clifford's a quarterback who you could see on the numbers. You're looking at the same page I'm looking at. Has so many more passing attempts than T.J. Finley. Yeah, and so many and a lot more yards. And he has five touchdowns and one interception. T.J.'s one to three. So Auburn needs to do the main focus should be on the pass. I mean, granted we're going to run the ball a lot, but can we be able to pass when we need to? And two, can we stop that pass? Because Penn State's not a team that's going to run it three times in a row. No. They may be a team to run it once and then pass second and third down, but they're going to air it out. And I feel like. You know who I'm? I'm really interested to see how Donovan Kaufman can do, because mm. he's been. I feel like he was our better corner in the first two games of the year, so I I feel like he's going to be the one taxed or taxed tasked with um guarding Mitchell Tinsley. Mm-hmm. So I I think he can do it. I really do. I have faith in D. Kauf. I mean, again, we talked about it a little bit, but Sean no, Clifford. Sean Clifford's just such an off again, on again quarterback. I mean, yeah. we were we were used to that with Bo Nix, but. He's like that, too. I mean, some games he'll just go crazy, but then some games he'll just be really non-existent. And that's the games that Penn State have really struggled in. Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, he's just won, like, in 2020, Penn State was terrible. Like, worse than Auburn. Oh, and yeah. They won their last four They won their last four games, though, and they lost their first five. Remember that was that first game they played? Of course you remember the first game against Indiana. That was one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen. The one where they had the nuts. pylon review for... Ten minutes. I love Michael Penix Jr. But those were games like 
Penn State lost some shootouts in 2020. They did. They really did. And that was – it's funny, like, the Big Ten had explosive offenses in 2020, and that was nuts to watch. And I'm looking at some of these games, like, for Penn State last year. I mean, they go into the – um. They go into Camp Randall, win, beat Auburn, beat Indiana. Then they go to, on the road to Iowa, which that was one a really good game too. They lose by three, but then they lose to Illinois by in nine overtimes. How in the world Auburn goes in there, top twenty five team, and they they lose to Penn State, but then Illinois limits Jahan, Jahan Dotson to sixty nine yards, Sean Clifford to one hundred sixty five yards, and wins in nine overtimes. Yeah, and that's just um that's just a Brett Billima thing. Uh, mm-hmm. coaching Illinois. I'm sure that made your dad and your Uncle Rick very happy. Yeah, it was the day of the rodeo, so that was like one of the three texts I got that day. Oh, yeah, I was um, on the way to Atlanta for a Slipknot concert watching that game, and uh, my friend Ben's um, SUV. But that was that was crazy. But any final thoughts on this game, what all you, Auburn needs to do besides the passing? I think penalties is one thing, my last, yeah. my last thought. Discipline play, get an interception or two. TJ needs to throw a few touchdowns. And we need to run the football. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to just run tank up the middle. No, no, run Jarquez yeah. around the sides. Yeah. Or, or how about uh, Old Mari Alston? Yes, yes, he looked explosive when he got the ball t- two times on Saturday. He, he has a chip on his shoulder. But yeah, that is going to do it for our Penn State preview. We're gonna have probably we'll talk a lot more about that game next week, hopefully. Oh, yeah. But coming back from break, we're gonna talk about college football. Not a great slate this weekend, but it wasn't a great slate last weekend. So, but. Anything can happen in college football. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Greg Splankenberg, who is a dude. Inside hmm. joke. And let's see. It's been interesting so far. We recapped the San Jose State game. Talked about our awesome Auburn soccer team who was destined for big things in 2022. And now we're going to talk about college football. It's not the most exciting weekend outside of Auburn. But if you head up to Boone, North Carolina, Griggs is neck of the woods, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah, man, they're they're going crazy. I have a friend named Elliot out there um, who goes to App State, and he's talking to me about, let me see, just read his stuff. He sent me, he's like, um, he's camping out the night before for college game day. Really? I mean, that's a big thing for App State. I mean, oh, yeah, that's huge. It's huge. I mean, it's like when Cincinnati went there, a little bit less than that. When Cincinnati was playing a little bit lesser opponent. Granted, Troy's not the greatest, but, man, what a what a time to be in Boone, North Carolina, man. That was crazy. He was jumping in the duck pond near their stadium and all that stuff. People were – because App State's, like, main – like Main Street, like when you think like Auburn's got Tumors Corner, it's not like right next to campus housing and all that stuff. They people have to like go there. So you saw those videos and stuff. But wild times in Boone, North Carolina. But then the Texas A&M yell video, like the whole thing on the other day on Monday or like, Tuesday. Okay, I see. Like it was lame. I'll give it that. And those were like third grade insults. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a state. Like bro, we all know that states whatever. And just but I, I don't. I can see a little bit, like, people – I don't know why they're, like, really getting offended, but he didn't I mean, really say anything. They're D- DMCAing it, so they're taking it down for copyright reasons. But then uh, again, you're the ones who posted the video on YouTube. They they live stream it on YouTube every night. But I just think that's another weird thing that Texas A&M does. We don't really have to get into that, but just interesting. Yeah, like, personally, 
if I go to, I, I'm thinking about going to the A&M game next year up mm-hmm. there. I, if you think I'm going to go sit in that stadium at midnight and hear my team get dogged, you are absolutely wrong. I can just sit there in the comfort of my bed in my hotel and turn on ESPN. Yeah, it's just another just interesting thing going on down there in College Station. But let's move on to this weekend. Only two ranked matchups. One of the teams we were just talking about, it's Texas A&M at home playing host to the Miami Hurricanes. And the other ranked matchup is the BYU Cougars taking on the Oregon Ducks. That's going to be in Eugene, Oregon. That's going to be a good game. Is mm-hmm. that um, Pac-12 after dark? No, it's actually the 230 Fox game. You're kidding me. It's just very interesting. Oh, man. Can't watch that one, unfortunately. Yeah. But not a great weekend. The only other games I'm really looking at, I mean, Texas Tech, NC State could be interesting. Texas How Tech's- about Florida State at Louisville tonight? Or, excuse me, tomorrow. Florida State at Louisville. Let me look at that. Yeah. Wait, that is tonight. Today is – oh, yeah. Oh, wait, no, it's not. It's Friday. I wish it was yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Florida State, Louisville. Um, I think Florida State's on a roll right now. I think they'll I think so too. get the job done. But They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Louisville has just been – I mean, they beat UCF. We'll give them that. But losing that badly to Syracuse in the Dome, Yeah. not the greatest sign for that. Um, so another one. Uh, on 11 a.m. on ESPN, the number one Georgia Bulldogs taking on Spencer Rattler and the South Carolina Gamecocks. Trap yeah. game, question mark? I mean, they did be- win – they're the last team to beat them in um, what's it called? Um, they're the last team to beat them in um Athens, so anything that was twenty nineteen, so anything can happen, but not this Georgia team. This, no. this is a little bit different than that. Do you think Georgia covers the twenty four and a half points? I think they do. Georgia's defense is still really good, and South Carolina's offensive line is terrible. Yeah, old it Spencey's is running for his life. So bad. It is. N- I mean, I have to look it up just to see what his QBR is, just because it's been unbelievable. He's what he's been had, having to go through these past couple of games. Um, Spencer Rattler, uh, one hundred twenty-three nine rating, so he must have gotten a lot more uh, better. But he's been sacked nine times in two games. Yeah, he's been sacked nine times versus Georgia State and Arkansas. Granted, Arkansas is pretty good, but still. Yeah, um, I would have to agree, and if you look at it. There are some kind of, I guess, diamond in the rough kind of games here. I think um, Oklahoma-Nebraska would be a trap game for Oklahoma. I agree. How about Cal at Notre Dame? I don't need I don't, on NBC. I don't need to tell you this, but Notre Dame needs this one bad. Yeah, they do. Um, if you had told me that going into this game, Notre Dame will be 0-2, I'd be like, no, you mean 1-1. One one. But no. You expect you, you 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 were optimistic about Ohio State, but Marshall. Yeah, I. The, the, which is the crazy another crazy point about that is Marcus Freeman seems like a good coach. He's the first ever coach in Notre Dame history, like one of the longest programs in the country, to go three uh, to go zero and three in his first three games. He just doesn't have the talent this year. He really doesn't. Like next year will be a lot better. Their recruiting class next year is full of dudes. Yeah. So one more thing about Texas A&M. I was looking up something the other day. If A&M doesn't perform in the ways they want to this year, you know what Jimbo's buyout is? How much? I want you to guess. Okay. Um, I'm going to guess $40.6 million. No. Higher or lower? Higher. 70? Higher. 90? Yes. Holy 90 moly. million. Dollars. That is the highest coaching buyout of anyone in the country by like, I think by like $40 million. I wonder if that compares to what they paid for this recruiting class. Yeah, but 
why would you give him that commitment after he gets you that class? But last year, they finished like what seven and five, something like that. Very underwhelming. Oh, well, I'm checking to see where they finished last year because they they ducked the bowl game versus Wake Forest. So one, two, three, four. They finished eight and four. Do you think Wake would have won that? I think they would have. I think they would have. They destroyed Rutgers. They when Rutgers was that was a really weird time in college football where COVID all of a sudden just popped back up again. And mm-hmm. that was interesting. But I know the game you're looking at. That's a very interesting flashback game for some people, the UL Monroe versus Alabama game. Yes. And, you know, former Auburn Tigers head coach Terry Bowden is at the helm now for the Warhawks. And we all know what happened the last time that the ULM Warhawks went in the Bryant-Denny Stadium. But they got to think about this. After that Texas game, I can't imagine what practices were like this week with Nick Saban. Yeah, they're um, going to be beat up. Problem, maybe, but yeah, that'd be real. That would. Well, well, let's just imagine get into the, it. Imagine, Chandler, oh, God, imagine the screams around during during Even if Auburn were to somehow draw the Penn State game, I feel like that would just ease the pain a little bit. So Chandler Rogers is the quarterback for ULM. He's a sophomore out of Mansfield, Texas. Six feet, one hundred ninety-four pounds. On the year, three hundred sixty-one passing yards, which has him ranked ninety-sixth in college football. One interception, which has him tied for 35th, and a QBR of 72.6. This guy can get it done. Yeah, the question is, he's going to be able to get it done with that Alabama. Even though the Alabama defense... Will Anderson's undisciplined. He's just going to get penalties. Yeah, I mean, it was last week he had the two back-to-back pass interferences, right? Yeah, Will Anderson, he's in his head. Yeah, I'm just looking through these other games. Texas Tech, NC State, I brought this up earlier. I think that's an interesting one off the fact that Texas Tech's quarterback, uh, Donovan Smith, has thrown 571 passing yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions on the or three interceptions on the year. Sorry about that. But six, 571 yards seems like a lot. I would have to agree. Yeah, that, that's a little insane. Versus an NC State team that didn't look the best versus um, uh, ECU. But granted, it's playing in NC State. Not the Carter Family is not the greatest environment. It's not. I mean, it's better than Duke, but in North yeah. Carolina. But other games this weekend in, in North Carolina, you have that. You had um, coming up. You have uh, Wake's playing Liberty. I don't think Wake's going to draw big of his crap for Liberty as this bull, but still, I just don't. I feel like Texas Tech may get this one, but it's going to be down to the wire. How do you think the Stadium Series Hurricanes game is going to compare to the average uh, NC State game? I mean, NC State gets a decent amount of people there. But you ever been to a game there? No, I don't. Yeah, I try to avoid Raleigh all I can, I to be so. honest. But that's going to be an interesting stadium series. I never really thought, is this the first one besides uh, first one on a college campus besides Notre Dame? I would have to guess, yeah. It's just so random to me to think that. Why, why are you doing a stadium series like two feet away, like a quarter of a mile away from where the – Actual team plays. It doesn't make. I would really say less than a quarter mile. Probably. I mean, it's across the street. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you? You think they'd want to spread it out a little bit more? Not like, hey guys, we're just gonna move our game over here for a little bit for one day. How'd you feel about them going to Charlotte and doing it? That would be interesting. I mean, granted that under the new ownership with Mr. Tepper, I think that'd be a better, much better chance. But I'd be really cool. I mean, I always have been pushing for the Hurricanes to somehow move to Charlotte, but that's Raleigh's gonna hold on to that, and it is a private team so they can do what they want anyway <laughs> getting back to college we're gonna, we're gonna have a lot of oh, yeah. on a it, lot of tangents today yeah so i've got a game pulled up here south florida at florida south florida at florida uh south florida is a 24 point underdog but 
I've got to be honest. I'm kind of thinking upset here. I really don't. I think Florida's head got way too big after week one. I'd have to agree with that. But it showed, like, Kentucky, like, Will Levis went in there and played great. Mm -hmm. So if Will Levis can do it, why can't, uh, it's loading, it's loading, it's loading, Jerry Bohannon. Fair enough. I mean, but I think, um, what's the quarterback's name for um, Florida again? Anthony Richardson. I think whenever you get compared to Cam, that's when you start to go on the decline a little bit. I would have to agree. But and he's only 6'4", not 6'6". Six, six. You just really can't compare to him on that one. No. Um, Miami at Texas A&M. The question is now, here's my question. Who needs this one more? Miami, a team that's still looking to – bounce back, become what they once were in the 90s, that powerhouse that everyone remembers, or A&M, who, with all the money they spent, they need to see something. Well, Griggs, I feel like there's definitely two sides to this coin. On one hand, A&M got humiliated last week, and they really need a bounce-back win versus a ranked opponent. On the other hand, you have Miami, like you just said, a team that's kind of looking to once again be at the level that they once were under Coach Cristobal. And or Coach Chris Paul beating there now, trying to get it back um, to like what they were in the Jimmy Johnson era, and I feel like this is a great place for them to start. You know, you, you go on the road to a, a usually pretty tough environment, a, a good team, despite what happened last week, and a team that's on the ropes. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like if you're Miami, this is your chance to strike while the iron's hot. If you're Texas A&M, if you drop this one, you're done, gone. I mean, Jimbo's, Jimbo's not gone unless they're giving out 90 no, million. No, Jimbo's not gone, but te- Texas A&M will be gone for f- from football talk for this year. Which should be very interesting because here's the thought, the process behind that. A&M is a team that everyone thought would be a sleeper pick nationally to make the college football playoff. Yeah. And Notre Dame also is one of those teams that people thought could make it. That'd be two teams. This would be probably one of the earlier parts of the season where two teams like this would have lost that chance this early into the year. Yeah, I would have to agree. And Tim Tebow said this about the 2015 Alabama-Georgia game, and I still feel like it still applies here to switch out the names. Miami needs this for their program. It would be a great win for their program. It would give them a good boost. A&M needs this for their season. Like, mm-hmm. their season is over if they don't win. Yeah, because with all the – again, I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. With all the money they spent, they really need to show some results. I mean, if they drop below 500. After playing, losing to App State in Miami, not going to be good. But, yeah, that's going to do it, I believe, for our college football segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about the world of golf. We've not done this too much. We've talked about the Masters a little bit last year, but we'll be talking about some golf here. Don't go anywhere. Don't want to miss it. Don't want to miss it at all. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is always the man, the myth, the legend, Charlotte's own Griggs Blankenberg. And right now, we're going to get into something that is quite the hot topic in the world of sports at the moment. The Live Tour versus the PGA Tour. I'm excited. I'm excited too. It's been a lot. It's the most coverage golf I've had in a long time. Yes, and it's great. That's one thing that Liv has done very, very good, and it's gotten the people talking, and I am here for it. Well, let's get into it real quick. So I think the question now is going off of what the um, the BMW series happened, where mm-hmm. an English said they could play on the DP World Tour to get some points. I mean, some of the, the, some of the golfers over there didn't really have a problem with the Liv people playing that much. 
but the problem is they had problems with the live players who had never played on the European DP World Tour, like names like Abraham Answer and other people who had never really played that just to try to get some points so they can't get the majors, so they can try to get into the majors. Yeah, um, I definitely feel like that is a very, very like valid concern. And one that I feel like will be an – I feel like this whole team – Quite simply, this isn't the most exciting answer, but I feel like it'll work itself out in time. My question is with Liv, the big thing for them, and I've been reading a lot up about it recently, more than I have for a long time in golf. The question has been, I think for Liv to be successful in the future, they have to get that TV sponsorship deal. Uh, yeah, they, I would agree. I don't think they're going to continue to grow. And the thing with Liv also is they're pushing for sponsorships because the one thing I think that Liv – I don't want to be so like I don't like it too much, but the thing is, I think I think it can be good. But the thing I don't like about it is the team aspect feels so forced. It feels so unnecessary. Yeah, that I'll give you that one. I just don't think it's really the whole point they're having on there is just so they can get revenue. I think from sponsors and stuff like that. But the question is, I just don't really get that team aspect of it. You have new players coming in all the time. I know you're looking at Live Golf website right now. But I just it makes no sense to me. I and mean, they're still giving out an individual winner. Yeah, it's kind of like you know what it kind of reminds me of what? teams in NASCAR. Hmm. Like you're on a team, yes, but meanwhile, like Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jimmy Johnson were on the same team their whole career, yet they were each other's biggest rival. Fair enough. But then I'm looking at some of these like teams. Some of them are a lot more stacked than others, but. My question, I said I saw they were going to do this originally. They're giving out all these contracts to people, but originally if they want to keep the 12 teams and stuff like that, they have to drop some people. Yeah. Because they're adding new people all the time. So real quick, who's your favorite live team? Mine's Crushers GC. Like the team name or just the team, like people on the team? Either one. Open for your interpretation. What's what's this Niblix GC? Niblix. I like that one. I think that's my favorite team because Harold Varner, his explanation of why he joined the Live Tour is the best one, I think, from anyone. What exactly did he say? He's like, I understand that people might not like this, but it's just too big of a financial opportunity for my family. It will allow me to do so much more of my foundation and stuff. And growing up with someone who, in Gastonia, North Carolina, not the greatest part of North Carolina, he was like, I never really came, had much. So to have this opportunity, it's great. But favorite golfer on Live is I've always been a big fan of um Bryson, uh, no, not Bryson. I don't like Bryson at all. Brooks Kepka, I think he's hilarious. But yeah, I just yeah, I love Brooks. It's just so the that's the one thing I don't get. It feels too gimmicky. Like last week they had like the or when they were in Boston they had the best they had the first final round and all that stuff. It's just the fact that they had the um the team aspect at the end of it. It's just such a question mark. Like they had like a podium, like an F one celebration almost. It was like. Like, what is this? Like, your team could play the worst. There's no cuts. That's the thing that I don't really like. They play three days. Mm-hmm. They they take new tournaments. Like, PGA is like every – like, PGA has a tournament this week. So, PGA's offseason is like one week. Yeah. But people were like – with the live, when they went there, I was like, oh, it gives me much more time. But the thing is, they're traveling to much more farther places in the world. Granted, they're off a lot. But the thing is, the PGA Tour, you only need to play like 13, 15 events a year to keep your tour card. So, you can play the ones you want to. Yeah, like the the week after the Masters is always the worst week of the PGA season because everyone takes the week off. 
which is sad because it's usually the week of Quill Hollow. Yeah. But some people play Quill Hollow, and I like Quill Hollow. That's why the President's Cup this year is going to be so – hurts to see that it's like this right now. Because all these people in the live, like people in non-Europe, people for the President's Cup, people know it's the USA versus the entire world minus Europe. So he had all those Australian guys, all those South African guys just ditch the tour. Um, you still have some of the um, the Asian players like uh, Matsuyama. I think that's the goal. That's the I've been reading them. That's the golden person that live once because they can crack into that market after he won the the green jacket a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. And I don't know. It's just it's a very interesting concept. It is. It is very. I don't know if it's going to be successful in the future. I don't know how long it's going to go for, but they have to be making money from something. And right now, I don't think they're—I don't know what they're making money from. They're just being given money. Yeah, uh, that—that's kind of been my question too. Like, where, where did they get the financial means to suddenly sprout out of the ground? And that's something that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and appears to not make a lot of sense to anyone. Oh, sorry. The week after the Masters is the RBC Heritage, which is a beautiful course. Is that in, in Hilton Head, North Carolina, in South Carolina? My friend has a house near there. It is gorgeous. It is. We it's the one with the. That. It's the one with the lighthouse. Yeah. I you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. It's. Let's plan on going to that. And what is that? April third. Eh, we'll see. Might have some baseball stuff with writing, but yeah, someone else can do it. Fair enough. But what else do we want to talk about in terms of golf? I mean. We could talk about Rory being the yes. the fa- I think that was the greatest scenario for the PGA when he won the FedEx Cup. Yeah, that was the greatest thing that could have happened. I mean, um, Cameron Smith was getting close. Who hadn't? He was all the reports that he was joining Live. He hadn't said himself he was joining it yet. But the fact that he won for the PGA and was able to go through the whole mantra promoting the PGA was, I think, the best case scenario for the PGA. And yeah, but Rory topped in all time. I'm not being biased, even though Rory is one of my favorites. Um, I think, yes, I think he's done enough. Granted, I don't know all the names past, like, Bobby Jones and stuff like that. I know Arnold, uh, of course, you had Jack, and then you had uh, Gary Player, Tiger, of course. Yeah, I'd say Rory's getting I think the one thing that would make it cemented in most people's minds if he wins that green jacket. Yeah. He's won the FedEx Cup three times. And Rory got close. This year, I mean, he hold out on eighteen. People forget that, but yeah. then Scotty played one of the best years. Those are the the two final people competing in the FedEx Cup were the two best players this season: Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler. That was a hundred percent the case. And then Will Zalatoris, who had to withdraw from the BMW, but he still would have made the. Will Zalatoris is in like third without playing in the second to last tournament in the playoff. So he could have had a shot, man. If it wasn't for those, I mean, he gave it all for the win. He did, and. Like, I love Rory. Rory is one of the best of our time to do this. I saw Rory's first win. Really? I saw, I've seen a few people's first win. I saw Rory's first win at Quail Hollow. I saw um, Ricky Fowler's, one of his only wins. I saw Jason. That's a name I've not heard in a while, Jason Day. I haven't heard that in a while either. It's my roommate's him. favorite golfer. I saw him win at Quail Hollow. I saw um, JT win the um, win the PGA, his first of his two now. The only Bob. golf tournament I've gone to in person was the in 2019. My dad and I went to the TP or to the um, FedEx St. Jude Invitational in mm-hmm. Memphis. Uh, I love TBC Southwind, great course. And the final pair that day was Brooks and Rory. It was the first time they remember they had like six tur- six out of ten tournaments. 
like in a row. Mm-hmm. It was them two in the final pair on Sunday. I do. That was Brooks was so dominant that oh. one year. Oh my goodness, that was twenty nineteen. Brooks Kepka is one of the best years a golfer's and, ever had. And then injuries just derailed it from there. Yeah, now, sort of like twenty fifteen or yeah twenty fifteen Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. I, I Jordan got another win back this year. We're just glad. Yes. Jordan. I like Jordan. Jordan's. I don't. I don't dislike Jordan. I, like I love him. Jordan. I don't see why people dislike Jordan. A lot of the people who like to live, though, I can see. I, I really didn't like many of them. I mean, especially yeah. like Patrick Reed. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna say I hate him because I don't know him, but I don't like Patrick. Some of the stuff I heard off, like complaining and stuff like that. People. He's a digger. He digs. Oh his yeah, club in. I remember that. Do you saw the arguments people said like that? Here comes the excavator, and like the he was. Yes. That was funny, but then, um, his caddy's really friendly though. I'll give him it, that. Dustin Johnson, that was an interesting one to me. I've seen in the past where he's had some problems with the PGA, but I mean, the one that shocked me the most, I think, was uh, Cam Smith. Even though yeah. he's at the, t- the height of his career, it's hurts to see that he went away at this point to live. But I mean, the whole thing—he wouldn't have gone to live, I don't think, if he won the, without winning the Open, because he wanted to get that money and get sure that he can play in the—he uh, can play the Open until he's like sixty-five now, and he can play in the other. Uh, Five. You can play all the all the majors for the next uh, at least five years. So yeah, and I'm just I feel like time will really tell mm-hmm. with this whole thing. Uh, whether it's just like a passing craze, and then in a, a year, all these guys are back in the PGA. Just and everyone just kind of acts like nothing ever happened. But I'm I'm just interested to see how things just kind of go. And I got really into golf last year too, which is great. I mean, yeah. I'd watch like the Masters every year. I'd watch some of the Quill Hollow, but other than that, I really didn't watch too, too much. But I watched, ended up watching a lot of golf last year. Yeah, like, I, I started playing when I was about 13 or 14, and, like, it really took off for me in about 20. I try to play golf. It's just... It's yeah, rough. I'm not good. It is rough. I love doing it. Um, But then, anything else? I mean, the question now is, I think, going into the Ryder Cup next year, are live people going to be allowed in? Because they've already said... I mean, the captain for the Ryder Cup, Hendrick Stinson, already left the PGA. They gave it to someone else. But I think they should be, just because that, that's international play. America's got to come before that. It's No, the thing that's hard this year is the President's Cup, because you have all those guys from yeah. Australia and them not being able to, probably not going to play in Quill Hall in September, or in, I think October. I can't remember. I would love to go to that. It's just so, it's died down so much now that all these people have been leaving. It's just... It's like everyone's talking about how the U.S. is going to dominate. And I'm looking at that teams like Scotty Scheffler and all of them. And like the best player in the international right now is like maybe one of the South African guys. Yeah. But yeah, but that is going to do it for our talk on golf. But this is not the Eagles Nesta for the second semester of last year. We got another hour coming up. When we come back. We're going to talk about the world of Major League Baseball. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back here into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome into the second hour. In the first hour, we recapped Auburn-San Jose State, talked about our beloved Auburn Lady Tigers soccer team. Griggs and I are the voice of that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, then we re- uh, previewed the Penn State game. Going to be a huge weekend on the Plains. We finished up hour one by talking about the oldest sport in the world, golf. Golf. And now it's time for... One of my favorites, Major League Baseball. Let's do it. Let's run through the Major League Baseball standings real quick. We haven't done this in the last two weeks, I don't think, so this is going to be a good refresher for everyone. Yes. Starting off in the American League East, the New York Yankees hold the lead over the Toronto Blue Jays by six games. How many more games do you think they have left? September 15th? Say like 14-ish? Yeah, give or take. 
give or take 14-ish games. So that one's close to being wrapped up. Moving on now, still the most, I think, interesting comp- battle between three teams, not two teams, is the American League Central with the Cleveland Guardians holding a four-game lead over the Chicago White Sox and a five-game lead over the Minnesota Twins. So that one's going to be very interesting down the stretch still. My World Series prediction of the White Sox is still holding on, even though I don't believe in them at all. There's still a chance. Not a big one, but there's still a chance. Yeah, and um, I've really been impressed by Minnesota. Cause they, mm-hmm. or, and really Cleveland. Mainly Cleveland. Because Cleveland was not supposed to be good. No, I remember they, they got... Um, um, my mind's blanking. Third baseman. Um, Ramirez? Ramirez, yes. He's still pretty good. Yeah, he is. Moving on now to the West. I think this is the biggest discrepancy between any... The, wait, no, it's not more than the NL West, but the AL West, the Houston Astros hold a 12-and-a-half game lead over the Seattle Mariners. Mariners look to be holding on to that wild card spot, though. Let's take a look real quick at the American League wild card as we just finished that. Right now, the teams holding the three spots are the Toronto Blue Jays, the Seattle Mariners, and the Tampa Bay Rays. The Baltimore Orioles are four games back of the third wild card spot, and the White Sox are six-and-a-half back, as well as the Minnesota Twins, seven-and-a-half, and your Red Sox at ten-and-a-half. Yes, if you want to hear all my opinions on the Red Sox that aren't appropriate for these airwaves, catch me on Focused on Fenway at Spotify. Mm, you probably find that on your Twitter, too, at the Daniel J. Locke. Sure can. Nice. Good plugs. Uh, now, moving on to the National League. Now, this one's very interesting. The New York Mets hold a, ga- a half-game lead over the Atlanta Braves after they just got Come on, swept, Bravos. After they just got swept. By the Chicago Cubs. I mean, you know me. You know my roommate Tyler. Tyler's been on the show many times. I called Tyler last night. I've been talking to him the whole throughout the whole series. I'm like, I didn't even make fun of him. I'm like, dude, what is going on? Like, I'm not. I'm like, I called him. Like, I'm not even gonna like make fun of you or anything. I'm like, but what is going on? This should not be happening. I've met one friendly Mets fan my whole life, and that is Mr. Tyler Twofold. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, he's like, I called him. He's like, dude, I. I just don't know. It's just this, he's like, this is what happens when I get my hopes up. This is, I'm like, but yeah, that was insane. And I mean, looking at the Mets' schedule to end it out, I know their last. I think the second to last series is with Atlanta. Let me just check that. I believe you're right. Yeah, the second to last series is against the Braves. They have a few more games coming up. They go Pirates, Brewers, A's, uh, Marlins, and then at Atlanta. So. That's me. I feel like the regular season is running a little bit more into October than it usually does because it no, says they're you're finishing right. in October fifth. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially with an extended playoff now. Yeah, it's gonna be mid-November before it's all wrapped up. And that was their goal to just not make it into November. That was their goal after the Cubs won. But yeah, moving on to the NL Central now. The St. Louis Cardinals hold a eight-game lead over the Milwaukee Brewers at a record of eighty-four and fifty-nine. Looks like that one's getting close to being almost all but wrapped up. I retract my uh, pick for St. Louis to win the World Series, by the way. It's okay. I will allow you to do that. And moving on to the West for the team who has the only team so far to have clinched a wild card, uh, clinched a playoff spot, it is the Los Angeles Dodgers, who with a record of 98 and 44 have clinched the playoffs this season. The Padres are 20 and a half games back. So I don't think anyone from that division is going to be getting in the postseason. No. No. Um, no. The, the, uh, the East is just too stacked. And then. Yeah, throw in the Brewers maybe, but um, look at look at the wild card spot real quickly for the uh, NL. The Atlanta Braves 
Philadelphia Phillies, and the San Diego Padres, actually. So that's surprising to me. I can't remember the last time there have been three NL, NL East teams in the playoffs. Barring an absolute collapse, the Braves hold a 10-game ten, ten lead over the Padres, where they currently I are. I feel like it's more likely that the Braves win the division than collapse. I think so, too. But do you see the thing about the Dodgers, how the MLB stat department got it wrong? They were celebrating them winning the West, popping champagne and all that, and they come back later and they say, our stats were wrong. You guys technically aren't 100% shoe-ins to make it to the playoffs oh, just yet. So that was hey, rough. Maybe that'll be a bad omen, and they'll like, you know, losing the wild – or not wild card, losing the division or something. Let's look at the stats real quickly as well for batting average leaders in the entire MLB. Freddie Freeman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Oh, point I'm three, still not used to that little clip of him in that yeah. uniform. Three with a rec- uh, batting average of three twenty nine. Paul Goldschmidt. At 324, Jeff McNeil of the New York Mets at 321. So the NL is really holding on tight to that batting average lead. Uh, moving on to home runs. No, you, you didn't say he was in fifth. Oh, Xander Bogarts, 317. Yay, small victories. Louis Arias for Minnesota, 320. Moving on now to home runs. It's still Aaron Judge by a long margin with 57 home runs for the Yankees. Kyle Schwarber is in second with 37. I will pay opposing pitchers of Kyle Schwarber to just dish him in for him to catch up to Aaron Judge. 20 home runs in less than 20 games? That'd be yeah. that'd be the craziest thing ever. And then you have Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves, 36 home runs. Mike Trout coming back off the injury. You saw he had like seven home runs in seven consecutive games. It's nuts. It's pretty crazy. He's still pretty good, I think. Um, and then we also have Paul Goldschmidt, who's also in the batting average thing. So Paul Goldschmidt's been a pretty all-around good Hitter this year. Yeah, definitely uh, one of the bright spots for St. Louis. And for RBIs, Judge is still leading that, 123. Jose Ramirez in second, 111. Tied with Pete Alonzo with that. Paul Goldschmidt, 109 RBIs. And C.J. Crone of the Rockies, 97. Hits. Freddie Freeman in first, probably because of that batting average, 181. Trey Turner of the Dodgers, also 175. Jose Abreu of the White Sox, 167. Paul Goldschmidt, he's still there, 164. And Bo Bichette. Of the Toronto Blue Jays. Didn't expect to see that name right there. No. Um, I like Bichette a lot, even though he's in my division. And I've, I feel like Toronto might be up next. But they, have a lot of, they have a lot of the future. I like their staff. Moving on now to pitching. Uh, Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves with 18 wins on the year. Pretty good for the Braves. Julio Urias of the Los Angeles Dodgers at 16. And we have Justin Verlander also tied at 16, as well as Tony Gonzolon for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and Fraber Valdez of Houston with 15. So, Inhouse has been leading a lot of these categories I've seen, minus the home runs. So, that's interesting to see, I think. Yeah, because kind of when we were growing up, versus when we were like getting to the point where we were getting our driver's license, mm-hmm. it's been like the AL dominating yes. everything. And now I feel like we're kind of starting to see that shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. The next step is seeing the NL actually win the All-Star game. Yeah, it's be a little hard with that one. But moving on now, the ERA. Justin Verlander with a 1.84 ERA leading the earned run averages in the MLB. Only pitcher below sub-2 ERA. Dylan Cease of the White Sox, 216. And Shane McClellan. <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. McClellan at 220. So, still a lot of stuff. So, the AL is leading that in the pitching category. Saves Emmanuel Classe at 35. He is a great card to have in MLB The Show. Oh, yeah, he's so good. Hey, you know who's absent from this top top, top five save list? Who is that, Daniel? Trumpet Boy. 
Hmm. Yeah. But someone who is on here that's interesting is Kenley Jansen. Yeah. After he gave up that home run. You saw that home run the other night to the Mariners? That was – Yeah. I feel like he's getting near the end. If the Dodgers didn't want him in that stacked, I just don't think he's got too, too much longer. And then Liam Hendricks and Jordan Romano are tied with him, and Josh Hader is in fifth, now with the Padres at 32. Trumpet Boy is all the way down in 20, uh, at tie for in eighth place with 29. So oh, I just I dislike that team so much. He's got a pretty good DC near rate at 1.47. That's pretty good. Um, moving on now, last one we're doing is strikeouts. We have Garrett Cole at 228, Ooh. Carlos Rodon at 220. Corbin Burns, 219, Dylan Cease, 214, and Aaron Nola at 202. So, Daniel, as this season's really winding down, is this my question is, is this going to be an interesting playoffs or is this just going to be a, okay, we got the Dodgers on one side and on the we're just going to have to pay attention to the American League? Yeah. Um, I don't really trust the Dodgers as a playoff team. I know they've had a lights-out regular season. However... I really think it's – I like the Braves a lot in the playoffs. They are scary. I feel like they've kind of gotten that World Series monkey off their back. So now at this point, there's not really any pressure. You just kind of go in and do what you do. And the Dodgers just kind of have a lot more to prove in that way. And, you know, I just – I don't really think it's – I don't think the Dodgers are going to represent the NL. I really don't. My thing is with the Braves, just we saw it the other night against the Mariners. Just that relief pitching can be so hit or miss. Right, because at one point, uh, on one hand, you've got the third highest, second highest, or tied for second highest um, saves guy in the league, and then you do stuff like, you know, blow games. So it's just that middle part. I mean, they, Kyle Wright, some of their pitchers can win games. Just a matter of fact of. How can they get from that starter to that closer transition, if you know what I'm talking yeah. about? No, I 100% do. And as someone who's followed Atlanta Braves baseball for their most of their life, that's been a constant thing. Mm. I just, Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. they got to have a lot of health stuff go their way. I mean, a lot of teams still do. They have to have a lot of injury stuff go their way. But I think they can – I think the Braves can – I don't know. I, it's so hard to repeat in baseball. It is. I think the last team – who was the last team to do that? Was that the Yankees, Yankees back in, what, like early 2000? 2000 and 2001. So it's been a while since that has happened. So You know what's kind of crazy? Mm-hmm. The Yankees have won the World Series in every year of my li- – or every year that everyone in my immediate family was born except for me. Hmm. 61, 68, and 2000. I, I know, it's weird. Yeah. It's just a- – <laughs> But the Yankees, yeah, that's a team that I think the Yankees are going to start getting more desperate here in a little while because they've not even made it since 09. Granted, that was, they won it in 09, but still, I mean, this is a team that uh, this is like the the poster child of baseball. That's the team you point to when you think of yeah. American baseball. And to our good friend, Mr. Connor Greenberg, he can tell me 27 rings all he wants. I've got four since 2000. I've gotten one since 2009. So let's right. not live in the past too much. Yeah, yeah. Connor Greenberg. Love you, Connor. It's okay, Connor. We got united together. It's okay. Huh. But not for long. Yeah, maybe CP. Probably, probably true. CP coming up. Um, any last things on baseball before we head to break? Baseball is fun. Baseball is fun. Hopefully, it's a fingers crossed for a good postseason because that's Real who's going to be calling if one. Yeah, you got it. What's your favorite minor league team name? Mine's the Akron Rubber Ducks. I like the um, 
Montgomery Biscuits is just funny. Or the tra- uh, Trash City. Uh, Rocket City Trash. Tra- Rocket City Trash. Band. It could be Trash City. That would also be accurate. Right. Um, but who's also calling the games this year for Fox? In the I don't know. Because Joe Bucks did that. But then I'm so happy. Anyway, uh, I don't know. That's going to be interesting. But maybe Smoltz. Maybe. That is about all the time we have for baseball. When we get back, NFL. You don't want to miss it. This is the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Do not turn that dial. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. It's still Daniel Locke, Griggs Blankenberg, hanging out with you on this Thursday morning. We're a big weekend of football here. Not in college football. No, no, no. In the NFL. This weekend is great. Starting off tonight, we have the Chiefs versus the Chargers. One of the premier matchups in the AFC West. So that's going to be a very interesting matchup. That's the first ever game on Prime video tonight. So you got Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels. So that's an interesting combo right there. Yeah, that's not one I really thought I'd ever hear. But here it is, nonetheless. I mean, people thought, let's talk a little bit more about last week too, but for Mahomes last weekend versus the Arizona Cardinals, that was people were saying Mahomes was going to take a step back. Throws for 360 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, I don't really know what those people were thinking. Like, this guy is the best quarterback in the National Football League, right? Or him or Josh Allen. It's 1A, 1B. But, but yeah, people are like, oh, he lost Tyreek Hill. He's going to be not as great. Still throws for 360 yards, five touchdowns. Yeah, he's still got probably one, a top five tight end than Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know Juju's a tad bit annoying with the whole TikTok thing. He's still a top 20 receiver. This is his first year with like a quarterback he knows is going to be healthy most of the year. Yeah, and like not one that's just washed. Mm-hmm. Uh, other games we can just talk about for a little while from the last week. Almost a few ties, but he had the Colts one tie. That was just interesting. Didn't take long for the first tie of the year. Didn't. We almost had another tie, too. Steelers 23, Bengals 20. Joe Cool, Joe Burr, as you used to say on our show last year during the Super Bowl preview. Looks a little, take a step back a little bit. Yeah, um, a, a sophomore slump's a very real thing in the NFL. Um, I'm not going to commit to that idea just yet, but definitely not because they were favored in that game. And you know, Mitch Trubisky really showed him up. I mean, well, I've, I've been, Mitch is Mitch is a good quarterback. If he can get Matt Nagy to the playoffs in in two times, you're you you got something. Yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase was still lights out. Ten catches for 129 yards and a tutty. And, I mean, Joe Burrow wasn't that bad. Three th- or he was great. 338, two touchdowns. Just that clutch factor that he's known for wasn't there. The one problem, though, the four INTs. Oh, yeah, that that's you can't be doing all that. Yeah. I'm starting to think he had the appendix problem. I kept him out of some of the preseason. But I don't think that can still be bugging him too much, right? I mean, he lost a little bit of weight, but not where your first pass attempt of the year is a pick six. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks who are very disappointed Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers final score of that one Vikings 23 over the Packers 7 that was brutal it, it feels like it was a lot worse it really was I mean it looked it looks a lot worse watching it than it did on reading the stats it right was now 17 nothing at halftime which granted like last year I know this all too well week one the Saints beat the Packers 38 to 3 and then the Packers go on and are the one seed. So they can definitely get it turned around. However, when you don't have the best receiver in the NFL anymore, it gets a little tough. 
Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, two for, 22 for 34, 195 yards, one interception. And his leading receiver on the day was A.J. Dillon. Yeah. One of your, your second running back. Yeah, I knew, like, on the, I think the first offensive, I know first drive, may have been first play, when that rookie receiver was deep, wide open, and nothing but green turf in front of him, and he drops that pass. At that point, I was like, oh, man, Aaron's not going to be happy with that. Not at all. Not at all, but it's going to be an interesting game this week. They got Packers. They got the Bears-Packers on Sunday night. I can't wait for that. I love it's gonna this be a rivalry. A lot closer than people think, I think. I think so, too, because that Bears defense is good. That Bears defense is good, and Rodgers doesn't have much to throw to, and Fields looked okay, I guess. Yeah, I kind of hope it's like the 2010-2011 NFC title game. Hmm. It's one of my favorite NFL playoff games that didn't have a team in it who was wearing black and gold. Hmm. Speaking of the black and gold, that was an interesting game. It that was. was probably a lot closer than we all th- we everyone thought it was going to be. Final score of that one: Saints twenty-seven, Falcons twenty-six. I never doubted for a minute. Never doubted for a minute. What about that penalty near the very end? Were you losing your mind? Yeah, I was like Marshawn. How could he be so stupid? But I mean, sixty-four yard kick. If it had been a sixty-yard kick, I think he makes it. That's just you had two kickers last week. You had that one. You had that one against the Falcons. Young Way Kumis is that one. You had uh, Randy uh, Bullock missed the one against the Giants, giving them the win. Uh, who else? Just not a great week for kickers in general. No. Except for one person, unfortunately. Cade York of the Cleveland Browns. Final score in that one. Browns 26, Panthers 24. Cade York, I believe he had five field goals, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to, unfortunately, have to re-look at that and count that out. Once the Auburn Wi-Fi decides to work. Yeah, five. He had five? That's what I was thinking. Just, I mean, pros and cons. We stopped him in the red zone. We didn't let him score that much. In, Fair enough. But Oh, it was actually four. Four. But he kicks a 58-yarder to win, even though those penalties at the end were killer. But I'm upset. I need. We. I think Matt Rule still needs to go. But at the same time, I'm thinking, okay, Positives. Baker Mayfield looks good when he's got time. I mean, he threw a 75-yard touchdown pass to Robbie Anderson. That was good. But at the same time, you get who in their right mind gives a healthy Christian McCaffrey 13 carries when he's. I just. Yeah. If you're worried about him getting injured, don't run him up the middle. Run, give him more carries on the outside because he can get out there and got the speed. Yeah, that's definitely a good debate to have. And while we're on the subject of the Browns, I, I hate the Elf logo. It's just so random for a team that's always been distanced itself from a logo. Like, we don't really need the logo. We're fine. We can just be. We'll just be a helmet. Be it, just a helmet. Just to add their, like, old, weird, creepy elf logo. Yeah, I've always been very anti elf. They've always creeped me out. Mm-hmm. The whole elf on the shelf thing at Christmas time growing up. I just didn't like the premise of that. It's just interesting. But, yeah, last week in the NFL was very good. But,. I agree. Let's, but what about the Jets? They were only down 10-3 at half. They are only down 10-3 at half. Joe Ford. Flacco, 307 yards. 309 yards. He had feet past the ball 59 times. I don't, Hold on, I'm clicking his profile to make sure I know. He is 37 years old. Joe Flacco is 37 years old. He's won a Super Bowl before. 37 years young, you mean. 37 years young. But giving him, making him pass the ball 59, 59 times, my goodness. So... Yeah, I was just crazy on that one. But, Daniel, for this week one, 
rapid reactions. Who's the best team in the league? Who do you think is MVP? And who's the team that has surprised you the most in week one? And who's the team that you were most disappointed by in week one? All right, here we go. MVP, Joe Flacco. <laughs> Disappointing team, the Bengals. Hmm. Super Bowl, the Bills. Bills. For me, I think MVP is Josh Allen. Just the way he played against that Rams team last year, that, that defense is still really good. 26 to 31, 297 yards for three tutties. And also rushing the ball 56 yards. Very good with that. I still think the Bills are going to win it all. Team that I was surprised about. I have a team I was surprised about in a bad way. You could say that and say, hold on. I was surprised by, honestly, I think the Lions, even though they lost. But here's yes. here's my reasoning about that. They scored 35 points against an Eagles team that was touted all offseason as being a team that has very much improved. Yet They had a Reddick coming from Carolina. They had the cornerback from the Saints that you liked a lot come in CJG. there. CJG. Come in there, and they scored 35 points on the Eagles, a team that many people are, everyone, that's many people's sleeper team in the NFC to make the, the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I just, I really like this Lions team. I love Dan, excuse me, I love Dan Campbell. Mm, I like Dan Campbell a lot. I feel like too. they're getting close. They're getting close. It's just if you're an Eagles team, you look at this. I'm not. They're not the team I'm most dis- thing is most I'm most disappointed by. But giving up 35 points to the Lions. I mean, granted, they're getting better than they were last year. But you're a team that has very high aspirations for your team this year. That that should not be a good sign of things to go. They got a, another game this weekend. They're playing. We'll talk about that more in the next seven for this weekend's games, but you just can't be getting off to these rocky starts versus teams that you know you're supposed to beat. Correct. And I'm just – speaking of teams that I'm just like, wow, you're terrible. The Dallas Cowboys just absolutely stunk it up on Sunday Night Football. One of the just worst performances I've really ever seen. And I know Dak's hurt. He's going to have to have hand surgery. But – Let's just see how our man um, Cooper Rush Cooper Rush can lead the boys. I mean, after a great weekend of football, both college and pro, just to end this one on Sunday night, even though we had the Monday night game, just yeah, I just didn't expect. It. I mean, it's the Cowboys; they're going to continue to get the the game, the late game spots because they are it's still quote unquote America's team. Yet I don't know a single Cowboys fan. Not here. I know some people in Charlotte who were, but actually, I do know one person I know who is a Cowboys fan here. But I think I was just more like we've been talking a lot about '90s teams this weekend, this week so far. This is a '90s team. Like we were talking about the Nebraska and Miami. This is a team that was in the '90s. Yeah, it's just not their time anymore, at all. And then team I was disappointed about. I'm not gonna say the Packers because I didn't expect them to do well. Um. It's hard I feel me. like the Colts and Patriots are definitely honorable mentions for that. I'll give you the Patriots. I'm so confused by what they're doing on the offensive side with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Um, oh. I'm, I know how I'm going to give it I know I'm going to give it to. I'm going to give it to the 49ers. How are you losing to the Bears? <laughs> granted that you had Debo's. Granted, it was terrible conditions all day. You play Trey Lance, who's the starter. After I still don't get that. Jimmy G led them. Jimmy G led them to the NFC Championship last year. So is Jimmy G like not even on the roster anymore? No, he is. He restructured his deal, so it can be different. But but I trade him to New Orleans. But here's the thing, though. Jimmy G is a good core. He led them to the. He led the 49ers to the Super Bowl when they lost to the uh, to the Chiefs. 
they he won them the NFC West last year. People forget that. People forget that the 49ers won the NFC West off that one game. And then you lose in the NFC Championship game. Why are people so quick? They're trying to convince themselves Trey Lance is the guy. I don't think that's the case. He got outplayed by Justin Fields. He did. But and Justin Fields didn't have Debo Samuel. Exactly, which is the thought, thought process on my end. It's like, why are they trying to force Trey Lance when Jimmy G is a good quarterback? You know how many teams want a quarterback who has Super Bowl experience and an NFC Championship experience? Let's see. Um, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is Super Bowl, but he's won one. I'm talking Matt about like staff? teams, people, maybe. Wait, what was the question? I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about teams who would who could want a quarterback as Jimmy G. Like they wouldn't be complaining with him. Oh, oh, I got one. Who? New Orleans. I would. If ba- I mean, I'm fine with Baker as of now, but things I'm are fine with James as of now. But I'm a little concerned. That I, that's a conversation I mean, for later. But. Yeah, but still, it's like a thought of why are you just trying to like. They're trying to convince themselves. They spent this high draft pick on Trey Lance. They're trying to say, like, we made a good decision. Let's play him. Can you remind me where he went to college? He went to North Dakota State. Okay. That, so, that explains why I didn't know that. And he played, like, one, like that was the COVID year, granted, but he played, like, that one random scrimmage they had because they didn't play in the fall. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's just so random. It's like, Jimmy G's not – granted, Jimmy G makes some mistakes he's not supposed to, but when you have – if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they made it to the NC Championship last year. Why are you trying to reinvent the wheel? But that's my last thought on that. Yeah, and um, stay tuned for our NFL thoughts. As when we come back, we are going to preview everything going on in Week 2. It's a lot more exciting than Week 3 in college football is. This is the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM for our last content-based segment of today. It's been a loaded show. We've talked about pretty much anything you can imagine, and we are going to talk preview week two in the National Football League right now. NFL is king. It is. People down the south don't like to admit that, but it is. NFL is. And it starts tonight. Probably one of the best Thursday night games I can remember in a long, long, long time. Since Thursday night and Monday night, I've always been thought of as the games where Eh, it's football. I'll watch it. But this is actually a very interesting game in the AFC West, one that could have implications far down the road. It is the 1-0 Chargers taking on the 1-0 Chiefs. That's 7.15 p.m. tonight on Amazon Prime. First ever game with Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on the call for that one. So is this game not just going to be on normal television? No, it's going to have to have Amazon Prime and stuff. Oh. Well, okay. Uh, That's going to be interesting. Kind of sucks, but whatever. I mean, this is what this is what the future is going to be. I mean, I know. I I don't like Directv owning Sunday Ticket, so I'm hoping for Amazon or Apple to get it, so it's just easier to access. Cause yeah, I try to get it this year for student stuff, and it's just impossible. Yeah, I gave up. Um, anyway, on the Sunday, your boys got a big one. Daniel does have a big game indeed. Is the Buccaneers versus the Saints potential battle? For the top crown in the NFC South, that is on Fox at 12 p.m. The Buccaneers are a two and a half point favorite over the Saints in the Caesars. Still weird saying that. Super dumb. Yeah, um, we don't lose to those boys in the regular season. And is that the famous Tom Brady? He thought was fourth down game. Or was that the Bears? Uh, Bears. Oh yeah. Um, we're just that's a team we always play well against, and I'm not scared of them at all because I really think the New Orleans are a bunch of dudes this year. 
Hmm. And yeah, I've, I've done that. They got that heavy. dog in them. They do, and they don't quit. And you know, I just feel like the Bucks quit. So when it to get when the going gets tough in the Big Easy, the Bucks will stop playing hard. Hmm. So New Orleans in this one, uh, and we'll do our pickums next. I don't know. I haven't looked at it, but I uh, I think I put that game on there. Hold on, let me look and see. Uh, I did put that one on there. We already talked about the Chiefs Chargers too. But then let's go ahead and talk about the other ones on our pickums real quickly, so we don't mess up and say our picks so far. Yeah. Dolphins at Ravens, battle of the one O's. That's interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. Ravens are a three and a half point favorite. That's going to be in Baltimore on at noon on Sunday. Cardinals Raiders. Cardinals Raiders. That's interesting. Uh, the teams that are both 1-0, and but teams that still have very high aspirations for this season. And then Vikings-Eagles. Big game. That is a big Monday night game. I can't wait. Hopefully that's the one Joe Buck and Troy are on. Hopefully I'm happy going into that because I've taken dubs back-to-back days. Hmm. Man, this is a big weekend for football for me. It is. Holy moly. Uh, what else we got going on this week? Let's just go ahead and Hey, just... Commanders-Lions. This Com- is a good game. Which team is for real? Is it the one and O Commanders or the O and one Lions? Lions. I hope don't. Get, I love Ron Rivera. Okay. I like. I, I like Ron Rivera too. I thought we fired him maybe a little, little too early. Maybe. maybe didn't really need to be fired mid season. But would you take him back? Yes. <laughs> oh yes. So much. Anyone. Give me anyone. But who we got now? What if Dan Campbell became a coaching free agent somehow? I don't know how. If you can't coach the, I don't know how that would work. Or the, another team. Who's had a better pass than the Lions? I don't know. I feel like he fits in well in Detroit, though. I feel like they really like him. I think he, he won't. He'll he'll have at least another year. Uh, speaking of that other team, Panthers Giants. It's going to be in um, the Meadowlands in MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Giants are a two point favorite. This is the game. This is the benchmark for me. Here's what I'm thinking of Daniel. Mm. If we can't win this game, I'm in full tank mode. For until we get until Matt Rule gets fired, that's how my mindset working. If we win, maybe we can salvage something. But I also think it matters on what goes on in that game and the Superdome as well. Like how how far behind are we going to be from that second place team? Yeah, um, valid point. But one thing I will say is do not ever uh, just brush off Danny Dimes because the second you do that. He's beating you in overtime in the first home team in front of a full crowd your team's playing in a year and a half. Oh, I know. Well, he's Daniel Jones, Charlotte guy. Went to high school from like ten like less than ten minutes from me. I know I know about him. I didn't really hear much about him at Duke at all, which is crazy to think he was like an eighth pick, went to Duke for football, and I don't even remember hearing about him. Like I grew up cheering for Wake. We played them every single year. They were the team we played in the coastal. I rarely same thing kinda of with Mitch Trubitsky. Those both went yeah. way under the radar of me. And I'm like and when it came time for a draft, I'm like Hold on, North Carolina quarterbacks and a Duke quarterback in different years are being projected to be. I wonder top if it has picks. something to do with just both of those being such staunch basketball schools. I don't know. That's my guess. Maybe it's that they're playing in the coastal. <laughs> That's mine. Uh, what else we got? We have Patriots Steelers. Now this is an interesting. This, inter- is, this is an interesting game. Is Mac Jones going to be there playing? I'm so confused on what happened with him. Yeah, I. I- don't really get it either. I'm not really sure what's going on. He got hurt, but I don't know to what um um to what extent. Why is it oh wait, okay. I, I was that that's gotta be a glitch, but saying he threw ten interceptions. Yeah, that's I know not, that's not true. That's not the case. 
Uh, Mac Jones is a full participant in practice on Wednesday, so he should be good to go. So yeah. always great to see no injuries. Um, but the Steelers, 1-0. There's the team that people thought they were going to come into this game 0-1. So yeah. got a little bit of confidence going from there. It at home. I think this. I think the Steelers are gonna do it. I think so too. I, I really like Mitch Trubisky. Now. I, until the Patriots figure it, till the Patriots show me something they can do on offense with their, for some reason, Bill Belichick thinks two offensive coordinators is a good idea. When has that ever worked out? It's like the Oscar line from the Office, like show me a ship without two captains, or it's like where would we be? Where would Catholicism be without the Popes? Type of thing. <laughs> Maybe he's thinking he just wants to run the defense. I mean, you gave Matt Patricia, who was the defensive coordinator, went to the Lions, didn't do well there, fired. Now he's back as the offensive coordinator? That makes no sense to me. Granted, I guess he was a head coach, so he had to work through all the stuff, but yeah, you have two former head coaches as both your offense. Bill Belichick's like the Nick Saban of rehabilitation for coaches. So Yeah, I guess uh, old Scott Frost will be heading down to Tuscaloosa. Watch that be true, and like the stereotype is just confirmed even more. And then we, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> um, what else we got? We got um, we talked about some of these Falcons Rams should be the Rams. Oh yeah, Rams. five million. See, well, it, I think the Rams or excuse me, I think the Falcons are going to be up like two scores with about ten minutes to play and lose. But Matt Stafford's arm has not been great, man. That we didn't get to watch most of the game because we were calling the soccer game the other night. But the, what we saw in the what I saw in the first quarter, being able to watch it. He just doesn't look like himself right now. That injury is no. still persistent. And I like obviously having Cooper Cup is very good. As very kind of bail him out. Mm-hmm. But I'm with you. I just I think he might be a little shaken up. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Um, Seahawks 49ers. This the 49ers need this one. Oh yeah, they need this one pretty badly. I don't still understand why they're playing Trey Lance. Good for them, I guess. I just. Again, what I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Barring a few turnovers from Jimmy G, I just can't see why they're trying to force Trey Lance. It's kind of crazy how this man has a prove-it game, his second game of his career. And Are the Seahawks actually going to do something this year also? That's kind of a game for them. We didn't talk about it in the last segment, but if you're going to pay Russell Wilson as much as you're paying him Mm -hmm. and you don't trust him to get five yards... Great. I will say this about Nathaniel Hackett. I like him. He admitted afterwards, he's like, hey, that's on me. We should have gone for it. But at the same time, you're like, you got to do something. You held on to all those timeouts, which is I'm like watching in my car on the way back from somewhere. I forgot. I'm like, what are they doing? Like, what is going on? Like, how are they? He's just standing there. He's not doing anything. And then they end up calling a timeout, and I'm like, I'm guessing they're not going to run. And that would have been the second longest field goal in it, or I think third longest, since the longest was Tucker last year, 66, then 65, and then 64. I'm thinking, okay. Do you think we'll ever see 70? I don't know. It either have to be in Denver or something very favorable wind yeah. or indoors. But I don't know. I think we're going to get to like another higher 60 before someone attempts it. It's just such a far kick. Oh, yeah. like It's just the fact that. You know, Justin Tucker was able to do 65. It's just beyond impressive. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be like a 50-yard field goal. It was like last resort. Mm-hmm. And now it's you're not going to be in the NFL if you can't be consistent from 55. Talking about, I think, the greatest rivalry in the NFL still to this day. Sunday night, 
is the Bears taking on the Packers in Lambeau Field. Packers are a 10-point favorite. That's on NBC. That's a lot of points for a team that didn't even score 10 last week. Yeah, um, you said it. And I'm kind of interested to see how the Packers kind of respond to the adversity that they really don't have to deal with a lot. Like, this is just for years consistently been Green Bay's to lose. And now that's not the case. I feel like now it's it's Minnesota's to lose right now, I believe. I think so too. Just what they did the other night was just such imp- so impressive. And then you have the Titans versus the Bills Monday night. That's interesting too, just because the Titans are what they they were the one seed last year in the AFC. Lost to the Giants, so not great, but then the you got you're taking on the Bills in their first home game. That's that's a that's a tough thing to ask for a team to do. Yeah, it all depends on Derrick Henry and mm-hmm. just how he's able to do. I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee were to win. I also wouldn't be shocked if you know Buffalo pummels them. It's just kind of one of those situations. It can go so many different ways. And I don't know. I feel like last year was kind of a fluke. I honestly feel like talent-wise, that is one of the worst one seeds ever. Because, yeah, you, you've got one of the best running backs in the league. I'll give you that. But at quarterback, you have Ryan Tannehill. But here's the thing. My thought process at the same time is like, Derrick Henry was out a lot. They could achieve the one seed without Derrick Henry for a majority of those games. That's yeah. that's impressive in its own right. It is. But then you'll do something like get blown out by the Texans at home. I was at that game. It was miserable. Mm-hmm. But great weekend of the NFL, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. So we're going to cut the break a little early here, and then when we get back, it's everyone's favorite, who you got. This is the Eagle's Nest. I'm Daniel Locke. That is Griggs Blankenberg, and we'll be right back. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. You're still here with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. It is finally time to our last segment of the week, but it's everyone's favorite segment of the week. It is who you got, our semester-long pick'em contest that we have all these different sports talking about each year. Now, it's gotten a little bit interesting up near the top after a big lead after week one. It is now just a one-game lead for Mr. Locke, 22-18. and Sorry. And based on who looking at right now, this time next week, one of us is going to be down significantly. Yeah, unless for some reason cultural decides to tie a lot. But I don't think that's possible. I don't even think it's possible. But, yeah. NFL could. Yeah, NFL could. We need... I think we'll just mark that as a loss. Yeah. I would just say throw it out. But then it ruins the 10. Ah, fair yeah. enough. All right, let's move on, though. Let's start it off quick. We have our first game, college football for the first part, NFL, and then finally Auburn at the end. BYU, number 11, taken on Oregon, Oregon 25, after destroying that team they played last week. I can't remember who it was. Bouncing back off Georgia. It is in Eugene. Daniel, who you got? I've always liked Bo Nix at home, so I'm going to be consistent with that. It's in Autzen. I think the Ducks get it done. I'm going to go with BYU. After all that momentum that program has last week, after being Baylor at home without their two top wide receivers, give me the Cougars. And also, just the way Oregon played against another good team this year, I need to see something besides them playing the... I don't even know what to call that last weekend, but give me... The Cougs. Moving on now to Raleigh, North Carolina. We have Texas Tech taking on NC State. That'll be at Carter-Finley Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Daniel, who you got? 
you know, I've got to go with uh, NC State here. I still kind of, I wouldn't say that I kind of buy their hype just yet, but I do think they pick up this one at home against the Texas Tech team, which is kind of struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Again, we're switching it up. I'm going to pick someone different than Daniel. I'm going to go with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I think they can do it. They have a really good passing offense. A&M, um, sorry, not A&M. NC State struggled this year already against NC State. I think they could struggle against another good team. Give me Texas Tech. Moving on now down to College Station. This is Saturday night. The Miami Hurricanes are taking on the Texas A&M Aggies. This will be on ESPN. Mr. Locke, who do you got? You know, A&M's got to bounce back here, and I feel like they're just better than um, Miami. So I'm going to have to go with A&M. I'm going with Miami. Okay. Miami's we're talking about. They need this for their program. A&M needs this for their season. Cristobal, I think, is a better coach than Jimbo, and that is my reasoning behind taking the Hurricanes to knock off the Aggies. Yeah, I like that a lot. And, you know, I could see this one going either way, realistically. But, you know, for the sake of the pick, I hope I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on now down to Baton Rouge. The Bulldogs of Mississippi State are taking on the Tigers of LSU. Daniel, who you got? You know, I've always believed in Death Valley, and I just think that that is a significantly tough place to win a football game. So I'm, I got to go with LSU. I really do. Plus, they just kind of seem to have Mississippi State's number in Baton Rouge. They do, but here's the thought process behind that. Mississippi State, I think their offense has been rocking and rolling recently. They've been getting – the air raid is off to a hot start this year with Will Rogers, and I'm going to go with that in my – Pick so I got Mississippi State, so all four different picks for us. The first college football games. Moving on now to the National Football League tonight. The Chargers are taking on the Chiefs on Prime Video. Daniel, who you got? I've got to go with the Chiefs. I'm just the Chargers have to do a little bit more for all pick them against the Chiefs. And for that also reason, that is why I'm picking the Chiefs as well. Mahomes. Everyone thought he lost Tyreek Hill. He somehow would become not as good quarterback. Um, but yeah, I got the Chiefs. Moving on now, it is Saints versus Bucks. That's going to be at the Caesars Superdome on Sunday afternoon. Mr. Locke, I think I already know it, but just tell everyone who you got. December 19th, 2021. A day that will forever live in the opposite of infamy. I was in Disney World, my favorite place, with my family, my favorite people. I got to watch Illuminations, the best fireworks show at Disney World history, and then I got to go back and watch the Saints beat the Crap out of Tom Brady. I picked the Saints that day. I'm picking the Saints this day. Saints all day. Who that? There you go. That's probably a little more than you bargained for. Yeah. I'm not going against the GOAT this season until he proves me otherwise. I'm going to go with the Bucks. <laughs> GOAT. Okay. Yeah. I'm kidding. He is the GOAT. I'm kidding. I don't think that's even up. I think that's the most clear-cut GOAT in any sports conversation, I think. Mm. Maybe hockey, maybe Wayne Gretzky more. Yeah, yeah, besides that. besides Wayne Gretzky, I think, yeah. Moving on now, we have the Dolphins at the Ravens. That's going to be in Baltimore on Saturday, on sorry, Sunday as well. Mr. Locke, who you got? You know, I've got the Ravens. I just I don't think that the Dolphins are legit. I feel like last week the Patriots just really broke down, and I don't really think – I think that has more to do with the Patriots than it does the Dolphins. So I, I'm, going with, I've got, I'm going with the Ravens. I don't trust Tua yet contract year for him he needs to prove it something i just don't believe it 
they beat the Patriots. Good for them. I just don't think they're, I think the Ravens are too much of a challenge for them. So give me Lamar. Lamar's got something to prove right now. Chip on his shoulder, not getting that contract. Moving on now down, we're going to Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium on Sunday as well. The Arizona Cardinals are taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Still interesting to say that one. But, Daniel, who do you got? I've got the Cardinals. Um, Kyler Murray and boys looked really good last week. They were just playing a team that was superior. I think they're superior to this team, and I think it's really going to show. Yep. I have the Raiders. I'm a big believer in Derek Carr. He's got, I still think, the best wide receiver in the NFL in Devontae Adams. With him, I'm going to go with the Raiders on that part. Cardinals didn't really impress me. But Greg Dorch, watch out for him for the Cardinals. He's pretty good. Moving on now, our final NFL game. I think this is probably, I'd say, these are probably the best non-Sunday games we've had in a while. With the Tennessee versus the Bills, Chiefs, Cardinals, Chargers at Chiefs, and then Vikings at Eagles. It is the Vikings at Eagles on Monday night, ABC. Daniel, who you got? I've got to go with the Vikings. Um, Jay Jettis is just too good right now. And, I mean, adding C.J. Gardner-Johnson really helps that secondary. And I think he is going to be on Jay Jettis. So I'm really interested to see how he does. However, I just, I'm going to have to go with the Vikings. They just have too much offensive firepower for Philly to handle. And Philly's offense is still just kind of stagnant. Jamar Jefferson will be able to gritty a lot this week. I think I got the Vikings in that one. He's just... We just talked about Devontae Adams. I think he's number two right now in current receivers. He's just been – I mean, if you can make Kirk Cousins look that good. It's him or Cup. You can do anything. Oh, yeah, I forgot, I forgot about Cup. But, yeah, if you can make Kirk Cousins look that good, you can win ball games, and that's why I'm going with the Vikings. And now, finally, well, the one everyone has been talking about, whether it be talking more about the jerseys than the team, but it is time. It is the number 22 Penn State Nittany Lions coming into Jordan-Hare Stadium this Saturday at 2.30 Central. That'll be on CBS taking on the Auburn Tigers. Both teams are 2-0 coming into this matchup. National television audience for the first time this year for the Tigers. But finally, for the final time today, Mr. Daniel Locke, who you got? Well, last year, I picked Auburn to win this game. And I was wrong. And that's eaten at me ever since. So like John Cena in The Rock in 2012, it's got to be like John Cena and The Rock in 2013, where this is more than just a prediction for me. This is a shot at redemption. Hmm. You're picking Auburn? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. My, my fault, my fault. Auburn, where are you going? I was at that game last year. You were at that game last year. It was a great environment. Don't get me wrong. But that Ole Miss game last year showed me that when Auburn was counted out against at home, they thought they didn't have a shot against a team they were similar close to. Anything could happen at, at Jordan Harris Stadium. I think this is redemption. If that pass defense improves, I think this is it. I'm going with the Auburn Tigers War Eagle. But that is going to do it for our show this week. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, we got you. It's going to be on Spotify later. Follow me and Daniel's socials. Those are going to be at the end of the show. But for Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Splankenberg. Have a great weekend of football, everybody, and War Eagle. everything going on in the world of sports if you missed any of today's show you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow us on twitter at daniel j lock and at the griggs b until next time this has been the eagle's nest see you next week